0: Hey guys, welcome to this edition of the Once Bitten Podcast. And thank you as always for joining the show and supporting the show in whatever way that you do. If you want to start listening via the streaming apps, I recommend Breeze or Fountain app. They're both doing great work. Fountain in particular, because you can start clipping your favorite clips and then sharing them direct onto Twitter on any podcast that you're listening to. And if they're lightning enabled, then you can stream across some sats to your favorite podcasters it's definitely a great way to help podcasters stay ad free as much as possible although saying that i do have to shield the show sponsors because i want you guys to know where you can stack sats this is the conundrum how much advertising do you take versus uh like ruining the listener experience or helping those companies that are trying to build services and improve user experience for the plebs to find Bitcoin. You know who they are. It's swanbitcoin.com forward slash bitten in the US. That will get you a free 10 bucks. Toma, the guest today, is very much involved with Swan as well. Coincorner.com across the UK and Europe. Set up your auto buys at this exchange. They are doing brilliant work. Danny's been on the show very recently. Hit the link in the show notes, that will get you a free £10 or euros after your first 100 conversion. Relay.ch forward slash Bitten, that's free commission. You can start stacking across Europe using Relay. You can uh, stack out of Euros and Swiss and into Bitcoin. You've got to make sure you take control of all of these coins that you are stacking. And you can use the Bitbox O2 hardware wallet. It's Bitcoin only from shiftcrypto.ch. Gets you a 5% discount. And if you're looking to stack a good amount or you're peeling people that are looking to put on a larger amount, use Bitcoin Reserve forward slash ref forward slash bitten. And those guys have you covered across Europe and out of the UK. And then if you want to get to the conference, use the code bitten at checkout for a 10% discount on all of the your tickets. Here's Tomer. All right, Toma, we're back together. We're back together. Good to see you. Yeah, it's great to see you too. And uh, Lauren is here, of course. Uh, Hi. Third time, Hi, I think, you, you've met because you mm-hmm. met him on Galileo when you did the re through mm-hmm. for Galileo of your story. Mm-hmm. And then when he was on the Once Bitten Podcast when we did that uh, episode with all the other kids. Yeah. So, what question do you have for Toma? You got anything stored up? Uh,
1: I got one thing and if that has if that isn't if he hasn't done that then Mm -hmm. the other question won't get asked
2: I think Uh, okay
1: (laughs) so um have you read the book to any other children
2: uh yes I've I when I first decided that I wanted to read it to people I did a public post on Twitter and said who's got kids who wants to hear this and I ended up I think doing three sessions of reading it to people who followed me on Twitter sometimes maybe even four there, there might have been one family where there was one family I think with six or seven children and I and I tried to read it to all it was a wonderful sampling because I got to read all different age groups and I got to see oh, the two-year-old lost their attention span quickly and the four-year-old didn't manage but then the seven to the 16-year-olds were who remained kind of interested. So I have read it to a few other children,
1: right? And um, what were their comment on it, except for the two year old? <laughs>
2: um, there, there was a lot of interest. I, I um, the one question that I remember that was asked <laughs> was, um, did Satoshi have to die for Bitcoin to succeed? And the, uh, and I, I wanted to point out, well, Satoshi didn't die. Whoever, whoever was the person behind Satoshi hung up the Satoshi costume. And so the character, the persona went away uh, for forever and that had to happen. Uh, but we don't know what happened to the real person. That's part of the beauty of, of the story. And there were a lot of questions you know, about a Bitcoin, about there, there were some people who were asking how much might a Bitcoin be worth. Um, so there were lots of questions. The first time I did the reading, uh, we actually went for an hour of uh, the, the children asking a, a large variety of questions. That that first question is the one that most uh, impacted, that has seared itself into my memory. What do you think about Satoshi? Because you've been listening to
0: me talk about it for a long time, you've heard Toma's story, you've read the other books that have turned up in the house. Do you have any ideas? The kids books. The kids books, yeah, Yeah, but they talk about Satoshi. Do you think Satoshi listens to the Once Bitten podcast?
1: I guess we'll never know.
2: No, we won't. (laughs) That's the beauty of it. We That's will never know. very happen. wise.
1: Probably. Yeah. I mean, he wants to listen to his creation. People, he likes his creation. Yeah.
0: Imagine if mm-hmm. he's sitting out there now just watching all of this like happen in front of his eyes and people like Toma come out and make films about it and uh,
2: write books think, about it.
1: I think Satoshi would be very happy right now, crying nearly.
2: <laughs> well, I, I certainly hope... Uh, he's out there enjoying the fruits of his labor uh, and, and the goodness that he created in this world. I have a lot more stories to tell about Satoshi uh, in time. Mm. But the, the story that I shared with you was the story that is available to everybody to know without, uh, without much interpretation, but prepared for audiences of all ages.
1: Yeah, Sophia started on the drawing,
2: that's right. Yeah, I I messaged
0: Toma about this just yesterday or the day before. Day before it must have been. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, yeah, Sophia, who was part of that call that that read through, she she's fourteen, and, and she uh,
1: likes to draw. She's really good at drawing people. Yeah, she loves to
0: draw, and she's been learning how to do it all self-taught on uh, you know by following YouTube videos, and just messing around and TikTok and, too and TikTok. And TikTok? TikTok. Okay and messing around and trying to find her kind of style and the kind of things Mm -hmm. that that she likes to draw. And she's taken on the challenge of drawing people, which is obviously very difficult, but she's getting very, very good at it. And I can't remember how we got chatting about it the other night. um, But your book came up and I said, well, it's still uh, it hasn't been published and uh, Toma would love to see some illustrations, I'm sure. And off she went and produced something, and I sent you the mock-up drawings that, uh, yeah, that she yeah. started. Uh, so I hope the interest holds and, and it becomes something. Um, you know, the, the self-directed way is to kind of uh, let that kind of unfold and, and get in the way where you need to. Like, does she need coloring pencils now? And uh, how do we take this sure. the, next, the next step and let it all unfold? But uh, yeah. yeah, thanks for sending across
2: the text so she could work from that. That was, that was amazing. Yeah that was great and and the request for her to do that encouraged me to write that very short preface in in front of it that was that I felt was the missing piece at least i i may feel it there's a few more sections that could use a little change or a little addition but the the essential uh, the essential story is there for for anyone to illustrate so i'm excited you know and it, this for me is has been part of the learning journey of becoming a content creator bitcoin and testing myself to see if i can create stories and works of fiction and projections of the future has been that in each of these things i've found some other human being out there or or other human beings out there who are collaborators who i end up co-creating something with which is which is extraordinary because working with others you can do so much more than working with yourself which is such a valuable lesson i you know i I can't make a movie but i can be part of making a movie i can i can author something i can't draw a book but i can be part of a book that contains illustrations and so I, i bring i bring what i have i bring the very best of what i have and somebody brings the very best of what they have and working together we can create something that's better than the very best either one of us can create and that's that's the beauty of human civilization human cooperation which is which is amazing. I mean, yeah, truly is. Kind of leave
0: it at that. Do you have any uh, any further questions, Lauren? Anything you want to add? No. 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 OK, do you want to uh, say goodbye to Toma then?
1: Yeah. Uh, OK. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> well, you can you can remind Sophia that if she wants to come down later, that uh, she's welcome to come in and say hi, mm-hmm. because uh, she's in, at the moment, she's in a, uh, a Spanish lesson mm-hmm. on her Zoom.
2: So. Spanish. Don't interrupt too much, but you mm-hmm. can mm-hmm. you can remind yeah. her. OK. OK.
1: Yeah. Bye. All right. All right.
2: Bye bye. It was nice to see you again. Thrice yeah. bitten now. Thrice bitten. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Well, great, great to
0: have you here. And I've been listening to your uh, your work, guys. Read through of um, your series. Okay. Uh, All of. Well, why don't you tell the why don't you tell the, the, the audience exactly how that come about? Because the way I understand it, it it's a um, series of short articles which was kind of like packaged together.
2: Yeah, so you're, you're referring to why Bitcoin, the series, mm-hmm. which was the first, the first collection of work that I did when I decided early in 2021 that I was going to be a writer and that I was going to write about Bitcoin. And uh, my motivation in putting that p- collection together was, I thought that there was a tremendous amount of really good stuff, like long form. There were books, there were tons of podcasts um, there were really long essays that really smart people were writing about Bitcoin. And there were lots of tweets, which were really short, short form. Uh, and, and I, I kind of sensed there's a gap in the middle here. There's, there aren't two to three minute pieces, or, or, or like under five minute pieces, being written about Bitcoin. And of course there aren't. It's very hard to cover the whole topic of Bitcoin in a matter of minutes. It's so complicated. And and the penny dropped for me saying, well, why not write a lot of very short articles, each one focusing in on one, just one facet of Bitcoin? Can it be done was the the question because everything in Bitcoin is so interrelated and intercomplicated. Um, And at the time I was, um, and I still am, uh, (laughs) but at the time I was um, in Robert Breedlove's Patreon Telegram Telegram group. And I mentioned in there, this is something that I'd like to do. I'd like to write this series of very short articles that are accessible to newcomers. Uh, But I want to say, you know, I want to say intelligent things about Bitcoin that serious Bitcoiners will appreciate about these things as well. And I, and my gimmick is going to be each article will, will have the word why in the title. Like, so like why Bitcoin, why you should choose Bitcoin or why you should do this with Bitcoin or why you should do, or why Bitcoin uses energy uh, all, all these kinds of things, and uh, I think there were maybe like a hundred people in that group, and only only twenty or thirty who were really actually active uh, but there was a lot of enthusiasm and they started like some people gave me like here's twenty story suggestions and others gave me one or two but within a day, I had this Google doc that had like a hundred and thirty titles, many of which came from the group, and some of which came from from me and I and I said, okay, well, I'm I'm going to start writing this series, and uh, I've, I've told on other podcasts a little bit of the story, but it, I found it hard to get going at first. It not I had a very good skill at writing concisely. That, that's part of what motivated me to to choose to do fill this niche because I thought I could actually uh, fill it. Um, but the the struggle was where to begin. And I sat down and I tried writing a couple of things, and it, they just didn't they didn't go great. So I, I didn't. I never finished them, but the, I think like the second night of having started on these things, I went to sleep, and I woke up at 3 a.m. in the morning, and the first article was had come to me in my sleep, which was called "Why Choose Bitcoin?" and the big inter- like there, there were so many long articles saying you should choose it because it's fungible and uncensorable and all these words that people don't even know what these words mean, um, so you should choose it for all these reasons, and it was and they're long, and I'll, and I just had this come to me that. Or oh, the reason you should choose it is because it asks you to choose it. It doesn't force you to choose it. Fiat you money, you're forced to choose without any explanation. The government says, don't ask questions. This is money. Use it or else. Right? And and with, with gold, gold doesn't ask you to choose it. It's been chosen by some people, but gold can't keep getting better. Bitcoin needs to earn your choice, and it needs to keep getting better, and, and it needs to not just your choice, but it becomes valuable when it earns everybody's choice. And so it has to get good enough to be chosen by every single person in the world or the overwhelming majority of people in the world. And what a great reason to choose that is because what an po- amazing positive feedback loop that generates. And I managed to write an article that titling concisely put that together. And then after that, it was a lot smoother going. And I was able to then, um, I had, I found my rhythm and I was kind of writing two or three of these articles a week. And then, and I didn't know where it would stop, but I got approached by Corey Clipston, the CEO of, uh, of Swan Bitcoin. And he said, why don't we publish your collection when you're done it as an ebook? So I set myself a deadline and said, okay, I'll see how many articles I can publish by such and such a time. And I ended up writing 26 articles in total. And that ebook is now available on, uh, swanbitcoin.com slash and then Guy Swan uh, picked it up and read an audiobook of it and that audiobook's now available at bitcoinaudible.com slash audiobooks uh, and it's, it's free in both of those locations although you can, you can make a donation to Guy uh, if you choose uh, via Lightning or Bitcoin and if you appreciate his work I definitely recommend that you do <laughs> I downloaded
0: it what's the, um, what's the other place it's on? Uh, okay, so yeah, so he has Mega. it as a
2: podcast. Oh, I, I'm not sure where else he's put it. Like, it, I, I thought I downloaded it on Mega, and I sent you some Sats somehow. Uh, you know, if you sent Sats, um, they they certainly wouldn't have come to me because I I'm not I haven't published where you can send me Sats. Um, okay, I'm, All right. I'm doing everything right. as a volunteer effort right now. Okay, uh, but if you, um, so, I, and I wasn't aware that it was on Mega, so I, I have no. I, I'm aware that he has it on bitcoinaudible.com slash audiobooks. And he also has it as an episode of, of the Bitcoin Audible podcast. The Bitcoin Audible podcast has ads in it. Right? So, he, so it's, it's interrupted a couple of times, but if you want it ad-free, you can get it from bitcoinaudible.com slash audiobooks.
0: That's where I got it from then. And okay. I did send sats over. Perfect. So Mistaken, mistakenly mistakenly to guy thinking they were going to you so i've got guy okay. on on monday guy deserves it. Yeah. <laughs> he yeah. does of course but uh yeah. I, i've got guy on monday i'm gonna pull his him, leg right? over that
2: <laughs> okay i listen, i got I, guy is so talented and i'm so honored and when i listen to him reading that work i'm like uh i'm i'm so overjoyed because first of all it's not it i get to hear work that i wrote but not in my voice so it's like it's not like I wrote it, right? So mm-hmm. I get to listen to it as an audience member. And Guy is so talented, and he understands Bitcoin so well that he knows exactly where to put what emphasis within the reading. It's, he's not a confused reader at all. He's such a knowledgeable, skilled reader that I couldn't have asked for anyone better uh, to read it. So if you sent him some sats, he, he earned them. He deserved them, and that's fantastic. Yeah, uh, he's... I'm just honored that he made the time to read it.
0: He's the man. He's got a great, uh, yeah. a great gig going there. Uh, yeah, well, and, and brilliant that what you're doing with um, with this series, what what you have done with that series. What was your big why? Have you figured that out when you were writing those 26 different articles? Like, which one yeah. do you think suddenly? Because sometimes you just have these epiphanies. It's just like, yeah. damn, I get why I got Bitcoin. Or damn, I get why yeah. I chose Bitcoin and it's generally some kind of direct line yeah to there's something f-
2: in the past there's a few of them there's a f- like for me this whole thing imagine it's like um it was like a training exercise the whole thing was like getting an education not in bitcoin because i was teaching about bitcoin but an education in learning about myself as a writer and in learning about what i actually believed about bitcoin so there, there are there are obviously some pieces that I think are more important to me than others. Like that that first one, was a proof of concept that I could actually write a short article that said something new about Bitcoin, that was valid. <laughs> um, and the second article in that series, at the time that I wrote that I published them, um, was um, why Bitcoin relies on the laws of physics, which which was one of these profound insights that kind of came to me while I was walking in the forest and realized that the forest is older than my country and, and it relies on laws of nature to continue to exist. And so it will exist long after my country exists. And then I had another one that I kind of really liked <laughs> that came next that was uh, why Bitcoin is the new frontier. And I didn't think that one was going to be particularly well-received, but when Guy first read the series, the excerpt, the article he excerpted, was fr- from that one, and so that that um, showed me that I shouldn't <laughs> underestimate. And as I became more confident and bolder as a writer, like there are some that I love because they got shared widely, like other podcasters shared them, or Michael Saylor shared a couple of them, and that was very uh, gratifying to see my work starting to get appreciated by other people who I really respect, and Robert Breedlove shared a number of them as well. And so I was really grateful for that. I think there was the one where I, f- took a leap of really put my soul out there is there's one article in there called why Bitcoin is worthy of being loved. Mm-hmm. And that's a very different, <laughs> that's not like why Bitcoin is fungible or why Bitcoin is censorship resistant. Um, that's a whole different thing. And in that, in that article, I talk a little bit about what it means to love something and I explain what Bitcoin would say if Bitcoin could Good talk and and how it presents itself to you and to everyone in in the world and ultimately i was saying this is why i love bitcoin right and so I, there's like a, this confession um or this declaration i have openly declared my love for bitcoin publicly <laughs> and that and that's um i don't know that a lot of people have done that they say, people say, people say um how much they value bitcoin how much they appreciate it um but there's something about that word to say i love something that People are embarrassed or shy, but I, for me, that was kind of this coming out and saying, "I love," and I, I love the idea of it. I love what it stands for, and and I'm not ashamed uh, to say it. So that was kind of a very cathartic uh, exp- experience, uh, and I think it put me on the other side of uh, uh, of something that maybe many content creators in this space actually do feel. But feel it might make them vulnerable or seem soft and squishy to go to the other side of it and uh and it and it wasn't it wasn't the case for me now your image is freezing on me daniel, so i hope i I don't know if I'm cutting out on you no i
0: i I still hear you. I'm just gonna switch okay, the right. router just in case my uh there we go um no th- th- that that was um that was fully received thank you. Okay. Um. Yeah. Declaring your love. Yeah, it's uh, that's deep, man.
2: Yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> I, like I think I think it was it was transformative, uh in, right? in a sense, in in my spirit and in what I could then write, because after why Bitcoin, I started writing all kinds of other things. I started to write about Bitcoiners, right? like this. So the second series that I published. Uh, is called, Who are the Bitcoiners? And it's also on my medium. And it consists of about five or six articles. Uh, One is called, Bitcoiners are not toxic, they have integrity. And it speaks to how, you know, it speaks to the accusations Bitcoiners have faced about being toxic and driving people away. And it very much focuses around the incident in, in 2021 with Elon Musk, who having bought a lot of Bitcoin, then started talking about Dogecoin a great deal and ultimately uh, threatened at one point in time to sell all his Bitcoin and go all in on Dogecoin. And and Bitcoiners said, go. Right? They, they said more than just go. They, they had two other words. One begins with an F and one begins with a Y <laughs> after the word go. And, and, <laughs> and, uh, but, Bitco- but Bitcoiners didn't get on their knees and beg the richest man in the world to stay in Bitcoin to keep the price up. They said, if you're not in for the right reasons, we don't need you. Uh, Bitcoin doesn't need you. We're not prepared to compromise Bitcoin's integrity. And I also wrote another article in there, which was now starting to get into this very, um, not to continue to point out that Bitcoiners aren't in this to get financially rich. It was called, um, Rich or Poor Bitcoiners Have What Money Can't Buy. And it really talked about the things that money can't buy and how the process, things like intelligence, integrity, friendship, love (laughs) Uh, so yeah so i i brought up uh that point of love again i said those are things that you just can't buy with money you can't put a bunch of money down and become smart and you can't put a bunch of money down and get a friend or or someone who loves you and then i in the article i talk about well what is the process of becoming a bitcoiner and this is a short article so i encourage people to read it it's only like a five or seven minute read um and th- this process of researching what is money and what is right and what is good and what's the history of all of this stuff and what is in inte- all of these things, it, when you go through the process, make you smart- smarter, smarter, and they make you have integrity, they make, they introduce you to people who share those things that you value, who can be your friends and, you know, and people who you can love. And so whether you have a lot of Bitcoin or not at the end of this process, you have obtained those things that money can't buy. And I thought that was kind of a, a, something really uh, unique as an insight that we no one had really put their finger on before. And then I wrote one um, at a time. I, I think I wrote this in response to, like, you know, Robert Breedlove had a little incident where people questioned his conviction and his, and his morality, and people were saying, you know what, this is why you shouldn't have any heroes in Bitcoin. And so I ended up writing response, which wasn't in defense of Robert, it was in defense of heroes in Bitcoin. And it was called Don't Tell Me There Are No Heroes in Bitcoin. And I went through the whole history of Bitcoin, pointing out how many heroes, and of course, I ended with the greatest hero of all in Bitcoin, Satoshi, um, whose actions are like those of a superhero, (laughs) If 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 you really analyze it. And there's a couple of other stories in that. Um, in that, but I, I think uh, to your question, this having having declared that Bitcoin exists in the realm that contains love in it as well, I was able to show love for my fellow Bitcoiner and explain, and not just show it. Right, love for your fellow Bitcoiner exists among Bitcoiners. Right, like admit it, you love me and I love you. Right, you don't have to admit it, but I know it's true because we are in something amazing together. And so I was able to kind of shine a light on some of these things that, uh, that Bitcoiners are experiencing. And then, I had all, and then I just felt I had license to do the third series, which is uh, like not, not tightly connected articles, but it's all these deep takes on Bitcoin and includes articles like why some people think Bitcoin is alien technology and what's the, at the very essence of Bitcoin and how Bitcoin's like a brain. And there's just a whole a whole collection of sh- both short and long articles in there that are the things I really want to say about Bitcoin that I don't think other people have said um, and so and so that's been my writing journey. i don't know if that's even the question that you asked
0: well, I, I, it, I it want cut. to pull
2: on this this love thing again, so like instead yeah. of
0: I, I'm thinking of you instead of like being a bitcoin toxic mass maximalist, you're a Bitcoin yeah. love maximalist yeah. and that yeah. that's the way that you see even the toxicity you see that as a form of love
2: yeah the that well that to me the toxicity it like, I can present it in several ways and I think it's a terrible word and even in the article where I say bitcoiners are not toxic I say for the for the purpose of of the argument let's let's talk about what the toxicity is in a correct context which is as I say, it's principles based toxicity it's like there are certain principles that Bitcoiners are not prepared to see violated and if you attempt to violate them Bitcoiners will reject you right? um, we will not compromise our integrity at the end of the day I'll, and another way to say it is we will die on this hill right I will die on this hill and I, I, I do definitely cite that in in that article so there's there's colloquialisms that we have for certain things and then there's the formal way of expressing them and it's, it's we will not compromise our integrity, which is what gets labeled as toxicity. It's like, oh, you're not nice, right? Like this, guy, this guy's just saying speed up the blocks and do a hard fork and let him be in charge. Why can't, you, why can't you be nice to him? And so we're not being not nice. We're often saying like we have something that works and we're not prepared to compromise the integrity of it. And I, I give this analogy to a bridge in that article. And I, I haven't gotten to this part of the fiat standard yet, but I think, I think it's upcoming in it from what I've heard is that Seyfedean also uses the metaphor of a bridge at some point for comparing uh, fiat to, um, to Bitcoin in its, in its engineering and its architecture. So I'm, I'm looking forward to getting to that part of his book, but I haven't, I haven't gotten there yet. Although as far as I've gotten in Saifedean's new book, it's outstanding. It's absolutely superb and it's so well written and so well edited. So highly recommended to everyone.
0: Yeah, it's excellent. All right. Okay. So I want to ask you then about one of the chapters uh, that Guy was reading through and it was chapter 23. Um, And I think if I've got it right, why we need Bitcoin, if I remember the exact uh, title. And yeah. you start within like one of the first sentences, maybe, or, or second sentence at the very least, you say something along the lines of, you are magnificent, you yeah, are unique. That's the opening sentence. Right. Yeah. You were okay. once
2: in the universe event. You are once in the history of the universe event.
0: Yeah. And then you unravel that to try and make people understand that, you know, this is a one-shot deal like you. And yeah. what are you here for? Yeah. and then you tie that into bitcoin in, in a in a nice way so i'd like to you know like being your true self basically and how bitcoin yeah. can um right uh, affect that change yeah. uh so first of all i'd love to i'd love to get your thoughts on that and then we're going to mm-hmm. rewind back to our fiat selves and
2: just see if we can connect a few of these dots sure sure uh, you know i it's um it's another one of these in interesting articles, like the very first one, like why you should choose Bitcoin. This one says why you need Bitcoin. And it points out that you are, you're unique. Um, you truly are, right? You're like nothing like you has ever existed before and nothing like you will ever exist again. And so you're, you have the opportunity to express your unique self in this time, but you can't. And so this is, I'm bringing in the fiat thing. You can't if the actions that you take right now for the future are um, become unpredict become unpredictable where they should be predictable right like if if you produce something but somebody is going to take it away or diminish it through some form of inflation then the collected the cumulative efforts of your existence here are stolen away from you right the ability to achieve the cumulative Result of your existence here is hijacked, or it's it's held back, it's damaged, and it's only when the decisions that you make and the interactions that you have with other people are made by mutually agreed choices, and you're able to keep the results of the efforts of your work that you're able to then take those results and reinvest them in doing the next thing like you know here I've I've already described because I wrote something it made me able to write something else because I owned the results of my of my work I wasn't chasing money in this case right I, I was actually exploring my own soul and my own spirit and saying I love Bitcoin and then that led me to this next thing that I couldn't have done had I not first done the previous thing but the same is true with any wealth that you're building right like if you I think I'll give an example of like Walt Disney, right? He couldn't have built Disney World had he not made the movie Snow White. He couldn't have made the movie Snow White had he not done Mickey Mouse cartoons first, right? Things start small and get bigger and bigger and bigger, and then you end up with this great empire of family entertainment, whether you judge it to be great or not, it's just kind of besides the point. There's this cumulative collection, and if you're not able to reinvest what you have produced, your journey is cut short, it's diminished. And this is what fiat money does to our lives, right? Like what we earn is seized from us. It's seized from us through taxation. It's seized from us through inflation. It's seized from us through through regulations that don't actually protect other people from harm we would do to them. It's just from regulation that benefits the parasite class in our civilization, or that just creates red tape and obstruction out of all sorts of uh, you know fears, human fears I maybe is is what I would describe that as and so it prevents you from being the magnificent once in the universe event that's occurring and that's really bad, right like because there's no going back um, it, once one of these every one of these is human lives once in the universe. Experiences once in the universe events happens and it is over, it's not happening again. There's no rewind, there's no take back. So, this is why Bitcoin is so important because it is a very important contributing thing, entity to helping you be the most magnificent you can be in your lifetime. There's now, no greater seven theft. minutes, there's yeah. no greater theft, right? When you put it that way, yeah, yeah, and it's um. Like, look! It took me seven minutes to explain this to you here right now. I, I don't know how long it took me to tell <laughs> this right. And the article, and the article is only like a two-minute read. So yeah. th- this was the this was really the writing challenge that I took on. I was I was ruthless in the editing. And now now I'm actually trying to make a physical book out of the, out of Why Bitcoin, and I'm really excited about. it. I'm working with two artists, uh, two visual artists. One who's a layout artist who's superb, and he's he's done many books in the past. And every article, and it's going to be this two-page spread. And uh, the Bitcoin artist, Chief Monkey, has actually created a physical sc- sculpture inspired by the works of the book that he'll auction off at the time that we release the book, but that various shots and various angles of this sculpture, along with other photographs, populate this book. And and the type size is large, and it's meant to be like a coffee table or washroom uh, book so that anyone who has like five minutes can pick up the book and open to any page and read any article. And... Um, some of these articles are so short that I found like five photos to put in them, but they still don't cover the two page spread. So I may, I may have to write another paragraph or two uh, for some of these, like why Bitcoin is the new frontier or why we need Bitcoin or, um, or, or some of the other, some of the other ones. But I'm, I'm really excited to get this book out. I wish I could have had it out for Christmas, but a low time preference, good things take time. And I want this to be really good. I, like I really want uh, one of the things that I learned with, the movie that I did—I don't mean to change the subject totally—but it's—it was produced very well, in very high quality, and I'm so proud of that. That we waited to make it as good as it could possibly be, and made the sound quality perfect, and all that kind of stuff. Um, Bitcoiners deserve—I think <laughs> Bitcoiners deserve stuff that's done really, really high quality. We've got low time preference. Everything we do is built to last, it's meant to last, it's not meant to be disposed. Like tweets are fine, you know, tweets aren't for the ages, uh, but if I'm creating a, a physical book or or a film, it, I should do everything I can with it and we should all do everything we can for it to stand the test of time because that's one of the values we hold is uh, make things built to last, right? Bitcoin is built to last for a billion years. (laughs) I point that out in one of my articles, in the one about why people wonder if Bitcoin is alien technology. Because what do human beings make that's built to last for a billion years? Nothing, right? Like maybe in previous civilizations, we built stuff to last for as long as we could, like the Colosseum, right? It's still standing a couple of thousand years later. Uh, But this thing is, you can analyze the engineering in it and you can say, oh, this, this thing can just operate on its own for billions of years. And serve trillions of human beings without without uh so much as breaking the sweat and we're here to see it unfold on yeah. our watch yeah that's right it's, Which quite, it's quite amazing it blows my mind every history. time yeah, yeah. It, isn't it truly is. isn't yeah like when you think of all the times in history you could have lived you could have lived in ancient greece you could have lived through you could have lived in messianic times, you could have lived through the birth of the Renaissance or the age of reason, which were all amazing times, I think, to probably be alive and experience what's going on. But, you know, we didn't draw the short straw here either. Like, this is pretty amazing to watch happening.
0: Truly is. All right. Well, I want to, I want to keep pulling on this thread about like, you are unique, you are magnificent. And the, the the, the big thing that hit for me was like that the realization that you seem to come to when I was listening to Guy read your work it's like huh um you've you've found your place like you know imagine Mm -hmm. you being truly you yeah and that's what Bitcoin has afforded so many people to become uh just by virtue of you know getting to know it, understanding it, interacting with yeah. it, uh, putting your life savings into it, or not even your life yeah. savings, or some savings, which then develop into your life savings and, and change your brain and rewire the way you think. It's uh, freed yeah. so many of us from a fiat life. But if you rewind back to like old uh yeah. we, we'll, we'll just get a, a little kind of, uh, uh, what, what's the word I'm looking for? Glimpse of what yeah. that looked like for you. So when you were let's take it from the point of perhaps you were leaving school or you know yeah. finishing your studies university what was yeah. the mindset you know what what was the, the blind panic that you found yourself in how was i going to make a living and
2: yeah i think i think that's a you know it, it's it was in a sense i know that i have something special inside of me and i believe that everybody feels that and um and am I gonna get the opportunity to ever discover that? Because I gotta make a living. I gotta get a job. I gotta work for someone else. I gotta do what they want, not not what I want. I don't even know what I want. All right. I think you know. I want. I wanna. I wanna fall in love. I wanna have a house. I wanna be able to enjoy good food. Maybe I want. Maybe I don't want children. You know. In, in my case, I actually you know went back and forth on that, but I, at the end, really wanted to have children. Um, we could talk a little bit about that if it ever comes up but um, it the, there was always I'm working for like I believed that I needed to get a job working for somebody else and I didn't believe in myself that I could work for myself. I just didn't have that entrepreneurial belief I, I really uh, didn't believe in myself in that sense and um, and a couple of times I tried it with the, you know I thought that the lesson I learned was see you can't you can't do something entirely on your own you need the shelter and the safety of a big company and and a career within that and so there was always the fear of might i you know if i truly express myself might i get fired um uh, the number of days that i spent in fear thinking oh geez i did i did what was truly me maybe that's not gonna be uh that's not gonna be like that's not you know maybe i'm gonna get in trouble for that and many times i did get in trouble for it but not necessarily Fi- fired and so that anxiety carried with me my whole life and it ended up climaxing and in, in me having built a very meaningful career and resigning and walking away from it because i just couldn't take it anymore
0: what was that career what, what did you, you we all I, end up painting ourselves into a corner in yeah. some way yeah what,
2: what? yeah i uh, i so what, i i had a I had two business degrees, a Bachelor of Business and a Master's of Business Administration. And I was really interested in computers and media. So the first job I had out of university, this is back in 1994. So it's like before the, it's not before the internet, but it's before Netscape, which was the first commercial, it was the first internet IPO. and so it was, but the internet was really young. And, and so I got into this startup company. Startups weren't really all that common. then we were going to make a magazine on a CD-ROM because CD-ROM was multimedia. And, but then the internet came around and I realized it wasn't going to be much. I ended up getting a job for the largest, at the largest newspaper in the country, the Toronto Star. I'm Canadian, live in Toronto. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, and, they, and I had used the internet and I had a business degree and they were launching their website. So they hired me to get involved in launching their website. Um, and I was actually working within the adverti- advertising department. Advertising being something that they sold. right? I, I learned on my first day on the job at the newspaper that they made their money off of selling advertising, not off of people paying for the content. It was kind of one of these mm-hmm. <laughs> giant eye-opening revelations about how media actually works, and I spent 17 years at that company, rising through the ranks. I ran corporate development for the parent company at one point, which was essentially strategy and investment. And at and uh, in 2004, I made a recommendation that they recreate a purely digital division to focus on the internet opportunities that they were facing. And they put me in charge of it. And so for like seven years, I was the president of the digital division. And and created quite an amazing portfolio of companies. We had the largest job site in the country. We had the largest deal site in the country. We had the new, the technology platform that was powering many of the largest newspapers, magazines, and radio stations in the country. There were a lot of business, and we had an incredible ad selling business that we were selling all the Canadian eyeballs on all these huge American websites. It was really a real joy, but the company back home at its heart was still a newspaper company not a digital company. And the tensions between the digital vision, you know, you could see it as like the tensions between Bitcoin and fiat, right? The tensions between the old world and the disruptive world were just too great. And uh, and as the CEOs at the head office changed and became more hostile towards a di- building a digital future and trying to take it apart and somehow reinsert it back into the print world it was just too stressful like I, I loved the businesses i created i loved the people i work with and i i couldn't bear to see what was going on there anymore it was driving me to drink and eventually and i was having heart palpitations from the stress of seeing what was going on so i just i quit Man. And, and that's right and so like you talk I, we're talking about this article Right, bitcoin lets you be all that you have the potential to be and mm-hmm. in that other existence for me I couldn't be all that I could be. I didn't have the self-confidence to start something of my own and I didn't have the control over the things that I had created to bring them to their fullest uh, potential. And I found myself trapped um, and I wanted to push the reset button, you know, to start over again. And, what year and was I tried this? To start what, what year was that in... where you kind of just realized, man, this is It was, like... in, t- it was in 2012 that I resigned from that uh-huh. career and uh-huh. then began... A very uh, stressful journey to try to rediscover myself and recreate uh, a career. And I bounced around and I came running back to different things and different comfort zones that I had through things I had developed in that career. But I, I was carrying so much anxiety with me from 2012 to 2021. It was really, it was really very unhealthy. And I think a lot of people live still in that zone where. There just isn't the self-confidence and um and it wasn't until i dedicated myself to bitcoin through writing that i that i then found what this course that i'm on right now which i really feel is fully self-expressive and me getting to be my magnificent self right so,
0: so you, you look back now through a Bitcoin lens, and if you look at the media industry in particular, which you were part of, I mean, yeah. taking the, uh, what did you say it was, the Toronto? Star. The Toronto, the Toronto Star, Star, taking that like yeah. digital, I mean, this is huge, like big, big deal, like at the sharp end of that time when everything was going digital. And I understand... Like why the the cronies in the boardroom are just like losing their shit because they just want to be print and, you know, go, can't we just go back to the old days?
2: Uh, That was really their attitude. It's like, if we can only only put this thing back in, if we can only put the toothpaste back in the tube, everything will be fine. So let's just work really hard to do that. And it was just so out of touch with reality.
0: What's going on nowadays in like the mainstream media? You, you must look at it. Um, and, and and through now, your your different understanding of, of the world, like uh, how the fit, well, a better understanding of how the fiat world works. And if you can look mm-hmm. back through your Bitcoin lens at what was going on back between 2000 and 2012 at the Toronto Star, sure, big yeah. change. But what? how were they portraying the news? Did you ever feel that perhaps there was an agenda being pushed or narratives or was there real journalism
2: going on have you ever yeah. thought about that oh yeah i thought about it a lot i mean the the newspaper like newspapers have in general always had an angle every newspaper's brand had an angle and then toronto star was no different it's it claimed to stand for these uh, important canadian progressive principles which i didn't necessarily share my Share in every aspect of my view, so that was also another thing that always had me worried. Like, am I going to get fired for being a capitalist? Uh, but mm-hmm. it wasn't. It wasn't it like it wasn't a communist rag. It was. It was a progressive leaning social program, favoring uh, a, a agenda, a, and it had like it was old and it was unionized and it was politicized like just office politics i don't even mean national politics and it was filled with people who weren't living up to their full potential who were scared in their actions so like this just describes what companies are in general not necessarily mm-hmm. even media companies um, but it was big and so it was complicated and there's you know competition between different departments who had different views and said different things about what they thought um should happen in the company. But in the early days when I went and joined it, when the internet was still small, and there was no Google, like Google didn't exist and really until 2001 was I think the first time anyone heard of Google and I joined in 1994. Newspapers were Google, Newspapers had all the ad dollars, they had, they shared all the information, they kind of controlled the truth, right? The newspaper, the motto of the New York Times was all the news that's fit to print. May may still be, but it's certainly not true. If it if it still is, but there there was like there was some resonating truth. Like if you wanted to know what was going on, like what what was happening in the world, what was happening in your city, what was on sale, you went to the newspaper. And you got these huge in 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 Canada the Saturday editions are the thick ones, in the in the states it's the Sunday editions. But um, but anyhow, that was um, that was this really amazing legacy that this company had, and this tremendous pride. And it dissolved as the internet grew and grew. And it became, it started to dissolve at a quicker and quicker pace as these exponential technologies often do to traditional disrupted companies. And, and things became desperate over there. I they were becoming desperate at the time that I left, which was 2012. It's now 2021 it's beyond desperate. Like the, the stock value of that company crashed and in the last year it was sold off for pennies. Like literally the stock that used to be $30 was sold for under a dollar um, in the in the takeover of the company. And the newspaper now relies on government handouts in order to subsidize its journalism. So there's just so much compromise now, right? There isn't like, we make money, we decide what we say. It's like, oh, we're beggars and we'll say what we need to say to the person giving us alms which is the government so you can imagine the level of fear like and the government doesn't even have to say i want you to say this the government just needs to say i'm holding the money that you need to survive you decide what to say i'll be back with more money in the future if i've you know if i choose to so people become obviously they they do what they can to not rock the boat or to praise the the money giver in this case and so you know it, it's no longer a magnificent a magnificent entity of journalism and truth discovery and exploration of uh, of the, of like investigative journalism i think it's I, I think we've seen this happen to all of media and and you know the what I, what I bring about with the government handouts is one form of corruption. But another form of corruption of achieving the mission is just this recognition that they rely on advert, that media companies rely on advertising. Advertising revenues are maximized with audience engagement. Audience engagement is maximized through fear mongering and spreading of things that have people sitting in front of the screen or reading the thing f- afraid. and. And we're kind of in this orgy right now as a society, now, it's not entirely the media's fault, but the media is complicit in it, of just spreading fear and spreading hatred, and not spreading love, not spreading confidence, which is what I'm really trying to advocate for as much as I can in my work. Like, you know, Whether your attitude about COVID is that it is terribly dangerous or that its danger is exaggerated, if there's some empathy for understanding why someone else might believe what they believe, not because they're right and you're wrong, but because there's so much information out there coming at them, telling them that there's a particular point of view, and they haven't chosen their point of view because they're evil or stupid. They've chosen their point of view because of the torrent of information that's overwhelmed them, and they're still a potentially magnificent being, and they're not out to harm you. They're out to try to, care for themselves. I think if we can just bring some of that love back into the world and you know, the, how dangerous COVID isn't the only issue, uh, but it's, it's kind of, it, it really is an incredible issue for I- identifying, look at how polarized we're becoming over things that we don't really need to hate each other over. And if we can step down, tone down the hatred a little bit and tone down the emotions a little bit and take a deep breath. I just say, you know, like inside, I'm going to slightly pivot here. Sorry for not finishing a sentence, but like I've seen it inside so many households, my own included, where there's disagreement about one of these issues. It gets under the skin, right? And it's something that people fight about or don't talk to each other about because of this. And it's like, you know what? You love each other, don't you? Yes. You don't agree on this topic because you've taken in different information. That's not a reason to not love each other anymore, right? That is, um, that's a reason to be patient and understanding. And for both of you who are in disagreement within the family to be able to spend time setting us, not focused on this issue, but focused on something that you do love each other over and are in agreement about. It's a wise teacher once said to me, there's what you are aware of and there's what you choose to focus on. And I'm aware of many things, but there's what I choose to focus on. And if I choose to focus on the thing that I disagree with somebody about, we're going to be in an argument the whole time. And if I choose to focus on something that we both love about each other, and like, you know, whether someone thinks COVID is dangerous or whether they think it's not terribly dangerous, we're safe in our house right now. We can spend our time loving each other, or we can spend our time fighting over whether it's dangerous or not. Uh, you know, and I, I, so I think you know, it's really important to direct your focus to that which, if I go back to the question you asked to try to bring it back home, to that which makes you the most magnificent self that you can be in this world and to enjoy life. uh, When I say magnificent self, I don't mean work yourself to death, achieve like enjoy the life that you've got. Uh, Part of your magnificence here is how much joy you took in experiencing life. So experience as much healthy joy as you possibly can by shifting your focus to what is in your power to shift your focus to
0: And trying to figure out your unique attributes, right, Um, that there are so many of us that get caught up in the fiat world, you have no idea who you are, and you're pretending to be someone else every day, like uh, you're wearing a mask, like, literally and physically nowadays. Yeah. You, you you know the um, excuse me um, not literally and physically what's the word I'm looking for um figuratively Figuratively yeah um, exactly and physically yeah. and literally all of those things yeah. but you know like that the whole career that you went through you were wearing a mask like you, each day you were a different person to who your true self mm-hmm. was I was the same. I did not act myself during mm-hmm. my whole 18 year career and yeah. it's so weird it was a
2: really. Here's a really interesting, um, I'm also at a loss for words to describe what this phenomenon is, but when you're not wearing a mask physically, out of fear of consequences, you aren't being who you truly are. When you are able to shelter your your physical self from some consequences, that the fiat world brings upon us. So when you are wearing a mask, you're actually able to be your true self more than you are when you're not wearing a mask. And it's it's an interesting, um, what's what's the word here? It's on the tip of my tongue. Um, (laughs) I'll remember it as soon as it's over. Uh, This is a sign of getting old, but um, (laughs) this is, but it's um, paradox, that's a word. It's an interesting paradox that it's hard to be yourself when you're not wearing a mask someone you're actually showing yourself it's mm-hmm. easier to be yourself when you're wearing a mask like Satoshi got to be himself because he's not Satoshi he mm-hmm. had to do the greatest work of his life likely I mean I, I can't think of a greater work in the world so by my judgment it's the greatest work of his life because there's no greater work that anybody else has accomplished who's living today while wearing a mask while wearing a disguise and and you know it's Superman Clark is Clark Kent Superman like is um, who's when when superman's doing super things is he wearing a disguise of superman because he's really he's really clark kent i mean that's his name right he's, mm-hmm. um, but he he needs to, he needs to put on the disguise the costume and everything else and not be recognized as clark kent to do his super work to do his greatest work and there's so many people it, this is a, maybe another interesting phenomenon that i hadn't really thought about in the bitcoin community because so many people are pseudonymous
0: yeah i was going to come to that there
2: Actually, I wonder how their tweets then, would change. In fact, yeah. I wonder how
0: our tweets would change if we created a pseudonymous account. I'm now okay. thinking, I wonder how your writing would change if you just were to just start pinging out writing yeah. under a completely
2: yeah. I think pseudonymous. I know the answer to your question, which is I would have started writing some of my more bold writing sooner because what and, and there are some things that I haven't written that are particularly bold that I'm afraid of the consequences to me. So, so yes, I'm still held back. Interestingly enough, by the fact that I'm public and that I'm known. And right? if I had done what Satoshi did, um, and remained pseudonymous, I think I think things would have played out differently. But I know, but I, I know for sure that the things that I'm hesitant to release, that I'm massaging very carefully, that I'm cautious about, especially if I had multiple personas, so that I could take different paths in different directions without tainting one persona with the content from another. I would be quicker to share some of this stuff because I wouldn't have to integrate it all into the personality that is that is me. Um, and it's not that I'm holding back information, but it's taking me longer to share certain things because I want to make sure that if it's Tomer Strolite, the actual me presenting it, that it, it, I don't want to, I don't want to harm him, right? Like I I don't want, you know I'm speaking right. myself, so I'm somebody yeah. else, right? It's I, not I don't like want to do something to...
0: It's not like you and I can start firing off porn memes on, on Bitcoin Twitter well, at the yeah. moment, like but you're it, under out.
2: <laughs> Tomer Storlight is not a disposable thing for me, right? Like no. I can't, whereas a persona, you know, if I, if I had a persona like Satoshi, it could actually be disposable. It will give me the cover and the freedom to create and say things about certain topics that I really want to say. And two, if I felt good about it, at some point reveal, oh yeah, that was me. But if at some point I don't want to, I'm not tainted with it. And it's not because I'm choosing to lie. I'm choosing to do something bold that has consequences. And in our cancel culture, where if you say the wrong thing at the wrong time, or it's not even just a cancel culture, it's like nothing's ever forgotten. So if you say something that you want to take back later, and you're, you're deemed a hypocrite for changing your mind, which is a perfectly normal thing, there is value in being able to protect your privacy. And, um, and I don't think it's going to change anything for me. I think I'm kind of, I'm kind of too old or too, too out there already. And I've kind of committed to this path of writing everything that I'm going to write and saying everything that I'm going to say under my real name, but maybe I might change my mind at some point. If I find that an obstacle is just too high, that at some point I might write something else but the truth is my style like i've got a writing style that when i express myself i don't think i could hide it for very long i'd have to sabotage my own style to uh to try to maintain the charade of uh of masking myself i i i'm just not ready to do that yet at least
0: yeah it's it's an interesting one it really is um yeah this 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 idea that we we're never our true selves in the in the job that we find ourselves kind of shuttled into once we've left university and mm-hmm. where could we be as a civilization if we had the opportunity for every individual to be their unique self and to add what yeah. they were actually born to do in the world? Uh, yeah. I, we need either two things to happen. Either get as many people pilled as possible with Bitcoin still around 50,000 because it's still very cheap, or 40,000 wherever we are at time of recording, or for Bitcoin to moon so we can get everybody that's already here out and being their unique self to go and mm-hmm. present to as many other people their own work and mm-hmm. be inspired
2: in the way that they want to contribute. Yeah. So here, here's a couple of things that I've been seeing a lot publicly in like Twitter spaces and on Clubhouse when, I, when I'm there. It's a, so many people are waiting for Bitcoin to moon, so many Bitcoiners in particular. It's like uh, two questions. If Bitcoin moons, what is it that you're going to do that you're not doing now? And then the second question is, why not just do that now? Like, why can't you just do that now? I think that there's a lot of people who have, who, and you can see this as true of the world's richest people. They are, they don't know when to stop. Like the, like there is no sign that the universe gives you that says, okay, you, you now have a billion dollars. You can start doing what you really wanna do, right? Like that now you've got a hundred billion dollars. Now you've got $200 billion. Do you really know what you wanna do? Are you gonna do it? Or are you still performing for this media, right? Like a, I, th- I think of that um, scene from earlier this year when uh, um, Bezos launched himself into space and did this self-serving media thing where it, it was just it was so phony it was obvious that the reporters that he had interviewing him were hired and that the questions were scripted and that his answers were scripted and that his line of like we're doing this for the future it was just so not genuine and so not authentic and i didn't even know like is he just doing like this is a competition oh elon musk has a spaceship and i'm richer than him so i need a spaceship so it's like it's like when these entrepreneurs used to compete by having big yachts they now compete by having but it's Brentson too,
0: a, right? It was all going yeah, down at the same time. Oh
2: It was all so phony because they were both—they were both being so pretentious in their yeah. in their self-praise, like, "Oh, what I'm doing is so great uh, for all humanity." And it's like, you're going on a fucking ride into space. Like, I don't want to make light of it. It's—it's it's a hard thing to do. But I don't think anyone on Earth is actually benefiting from what you're doing right now. You know, other than people who adore and admire you, feeling great about adoring and admiring you, but there's that's really a dead end. Like nobody, nobody's life is actually made great by adoring or admiring, Bezos or or Branson in and of itself. If if they serve as an inspiration, that's one thing. But just to, you know, to create this phone fo- to say the reason people admire me is because, is because I put on a spectacle and I hired reporters to interview me and make me seem great. That's not respect, like I, I respect Satoshi, not because he hired a PR firm to say how great Satoshi is, because his work spoke for, it speaks for itself. And um, I kind of losing a little bit of my, of my train of thought <laughs> here, because we're going, we're going so deep, right? Like we, we, we've just abstracted like so many yep. places from where this, uh, from where your question started. So maybe I'll just kind of pause there and let you ask your next question. <laughs> but yeah sorry i did i did remember it's like what is it that you want to do i I was using Mm -hmm. them as an example that's right what is it that you really want to do and can you do it like you know for me i there was at that point of resigning right you
0: you you must have gone through like that that i did the same i got to a point where it's like no more
2: man like no more and So you know what you don't want to do, but you don't yet know what you do want to do. And it's hard yeah. to know. Like, maybe this is the trap that Musk, Bezos, and Branson are all in is maybe they're sick of it, <laughs> but, they don't, but they're not ready to stop it to figure out what the real it is for them. And so, you know, all the money in the world doesn't buy them the freedom to discover who they are unless they make the personal choice to figure out who they are and do that thing that they really want to do i don't know maybe maybe Bezos wants to paint maybe branson wants to be the best mma fighter in the world like who like i have no idea what they want to do but what i'm speculating is maybe they don't either and it's not until you take you stop and breathe and and take some time for yourself That you can figure it out because between the time that i quit my job and the time that i found what i wanted to do there was like eight years of self-exploration and turmoil and it wasn't necessarily easy and i know that so when i say that i'm sure there's audience members who are listening who are like well that sounds way too scary and i've had people Mm -hmm. tell me that they've said tell me about your journey and i've told them and they said like i just don't have like i'm inspired by your story but not inspired enough to do it for myself I'm inspired to know that somebody did it, and that provides me happiness. Um, and so, I, you know, I just I like hearing your story over and over again. But I haven't found the courage yet myself, and I don't think I'm gonna find it ever myself to do the, to do this thing. And uh, I can just sympathize and empathize with the state of fear that someone saying that to me is in. Um, and I, if I'm in a dialogue with that person over an extended period of time, I'll just gently nudge them when the opportunity arises to do more and more self exploration and self discovery, because I can't force somebody to figure out who they are and to be themselves, but I can help them in many instances, just explore a little bit more of what they are, look a little bit more into the mirror, um, see a little something that they didn't see before and nurture that something a little bit more, even in some environment of relative safety.
0: So where did kids come into this story for you then? Because you mm. you, you mentioned earlier that yeah. uh, you you'd gone back and forth on it.
2: Yeah, uh, it's funny. I I grew up. I never really wanted kids. I I thought I wouldn't want kids. to distract from your life and everything else. And this will be the second time I bring up Disney in this in this right? interview. I I went to Disney World for the first time when I was twenty one years old, I think, or nineteen years old, uh, with some friends who were who were about the same age, and uh, one of my friends. Uh, snuck some magic mushrooms into the magic kingdom and we took some magic mushrooms and uh, experienced uh, the magic kingdom on magic mushrooms and
0: with was, people and walking it, around in huge
2: uniform like uh like big mickeys yeah, and shit thing, like, like oh man the, that yeah. was that must have been a trip and a yeah like the whole the whole thing is a fantasy <laughs> world right and yes. it, it's built in so many ways and so you know the fantasy is exaggerated and in the emotional connection that i had an it, anyway, i went through a lot of really interesting experiences there it was it was really wonderful and i said it's so amazing that we have such a glorious world that we have created i want to bring someone into this glorious world and bring them here <laughs> and uh, and and so i at that point i was primed to say interesting love because i want to bring my own kids to disney world i need to have kids <laughs> I did, like and, and so uh, there was so much more because it was all fueled with love right it was like i love this world enough uh, that i want to bring someone i love into this into this world and it was it was kind of that incident that if i think there were a lot of things in my life that made me see the world as benevolent and a wonderful place to bring other people into um but that was kind of like this turning point moment for me that I, I had made that decision. And then it turned out when we, when my wife and I were ready to have kids, it turned out we we were having a lot of fertility difficulties and we had to ultimately do in vitro fertilization and all this stuff. And it was really, this was this incredibly dramatic story um, that I, it's too long to tell your listeners and it's maybe too personal as well, uh, <laughs> but it was really hard. It was really hard for us to have kids and we finally managed to have kids um, and, and we had challenges with our kids as well, like not everything was just perfectly um, perfectly normal. But boy, did they ever get to go to Disney World a lot? I'll tell you. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh man, that's great. <laughs> like we, I think we've been, we've been there at, if not a dozen times yeah, at close to it and maybe more, and they've been on every one of Disney's cruise ships and everything else because it was just it was such a uh, inspiring cruise thing to me and i'm sure there's listeners who are like oh i hate disney that's okay you i'm i I don't fault you for having a different point of view on it i'm just trying to express what made it kind of special and magical for me and my wife and for our kids did you get to
0: take the shrooms again or did you leave those behind this time
2: no i've never taken the shrooms at disney world again (laughs) um but i but I, i you know what i've experienced um something even more wonderful, which is sitting next to your kid and watching them gaze in awe at something magnificent that the Disney company has produced, this incredible show, this incredible play, this incredible ride. Like I remember, I'll say say the first time we took, um, I I have two kids, but when we still only had one, we took him to Disney world around christmas time it was disneyland around christmas time and we went on the very famous it's a small world ride oh my god stop christmas. stop yeah. no that it was freaking ride man <laughs> it was all done up for christmas so it had even more overwhelming lights and <laughs> you just float you're just floating gently down this uh river and there's all this singing and all these children clapping and all these animals and all these colors and all this stuff and when we were done for the first like he, he had actually stood up, I think, for the first time in his, in his life during the ride, because he was just trying to get a look. And he, for the first time, kind of clapped his hands together when we came out the other side and was like, yeah, that's what it's all about. <laughs> that must
0: have been a trip for him. Like, imagine yeah. that. That's a trip. That's a trip stone cold sober that damn ride. Yeah. It's just it's the worst. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> there's,
2: so much, there's so much of this sensory overstimulation yeah. in a sense. Yeah, it's complete. Where, where does the,
0: the yeah, your name? Just is a pretty... second
2: here. My headphones just kicked out for a second. Yep, sure. Let me read them. Unreliable Bluetooth.
0: <laughs> back. Where does the name come from? It's a pretty unique name. Like uh, Tomer for one, and then like Strolight, the, yeah. the surname. What, what's the family yeah,
2: kind so... of background? Oh, so Tomer's Israel. I was born in Israel. And it's, it's not that unusual a name there, apparently. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's not that normal a name uh, in the West, and Strohlite was actually Strohlite, Strohlicht uh, with the CHT, but it just got misspelled all my life. Uh, that I finally gave in and said, okay, you know, if if my if if they're going to put Strohlite on my university degree, I what what am I going to do? Uh, I, I'm going to be Tomer Strohlite, um, and uh, I think the name is uh, it's Germanic. Um, it's from somewhere in Poland or Germany. Again, Jewish families that fled uh, Europe during the time of, uh, of the Second World War is, is my heritage. But I don't, I don't actually have that good a, um, knowledge of the history of where my family came from. So I know that on my mother's side, they were Hungarian. I'm not even certain where they came from on my father's side. I know on my wife's side where they are, but that's, that has nothing to do with my last name.
0: Right. Okay. Well, maybe some deep diving uh, will be coming your way. Who knows once yeah. uh, you, you might be inspired to try and uh, trace that back. Yeah. So uh, it, it, there's another thing in your in your work uh, that you clearly love about Bitcoin is um, the, the element of truth mm-hmm. that, that it carries um, mm-hmm. and, and instills in people and uh, the integrity, uh, everything mm-hmm. around it and the kind of that 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 feeling just seems to bubble up, uh, you know, amongst everybody that um, is in the space. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, Sophia's just came in. I was about to ask oh, you a cool. killer question, but Sophia's come in with some of Thank her. You. We'll come uh, back to it. It was about truth. Yeah, OK, truth. I'm going to. Yeah, I'm going to underline that
2: right there. All right. Sophia, you want to come yes. say hi to Thomas? Hey there. Oh, you can't hear me yet. Hello. Hey there, Sophia, how are you?
3: I'm good. How are you?
2: I'm good. She's Looks like some, you've got some some samples. <laughs> oh wow! I'm excited. <laughs> you're gonna have to hold them right up to the, the uh, camera. Yeah,
3: yeah. yeah, So you're um,
2: illustrating the story yeah. of Satoshi I, Nakamoto. Um,
3: yes. Uh, so I've got the first uh, three page, well, the first two pages, and then a bit yeah. of the third one. Um, just like sketched out and just right. like jotting ideas down. Cool. Um, so the first one is, uh, I don't know if you can see that. Uh,
2: yeah, is your dad actually shared that one with me uh, yeah. through right. direct messaging on Slack or on uh, Twitter before. And um, then
3: that is the like the for the group.
2: Okay, I get it. Yeah.
3: Yeah, and, and then, then uh,
2: uh, this this one's pretty no, fun. Other, oh, other I've gone the other
0: way.
3: Yeah. <laughs> um, All right. Okay. So yeah. this is page. Uh, like the last bit of the page one. Uh, right. The this is alien a
2: spider robot spider robot, yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it.
1: That's that's oh, what I was gonna, gonna bring great. up.
0: Like what, what what is it? An alien spider monkey robot like from outer space
2: or something. Isn't it? Yeah. What what does the line in the book say? Maybe he was an uh, a robot. I I can't remember the exact line from the from the story now, but maybe, maybe it, was
3: an, I think it was time time
2: traveling a time travelling yeah. a- alien spider robot.
3: Yeah, it was a time-traveling a- AI, no, right. a time traveling alien AI spider robot.
0: <laughs> you, got your, you got your work cut out with that. <laughs> like, you need an imagination to draw right. this thing. <laughs> right.
3: And then, cool. um, yeah, this is the start of the second page um, at the bottom. There's like, Satoshi right. on yep. the internet and then creating yep. Bitcoin.
2: It looks, cool. That looks like the cypherpunks getting together and uh, yeah <laughs> the, the, well, that, that's who he shared his invention with first the cypherpunks yeah. that's cool all right
3: and then uh, this is Four. the start of the third page I actually put uh, I actually did a bit of research mm-hmm. um, to see how long ago um, the wheel was created right. and it said uh, 479 BC
2: uh, interesting interesting that it took so long I would have thought yeah. I would have thought the wheel was like Flintstones. One of the first ones, <laughs> like yeah. Ancient, ancient. but that's, that's really interesting that the wheel. Now, that's kind of interesting because I, there's another great invention in history called the inclined plane uh, that was the invention of Archimedes, who you may have heard of. And I think he has a very famous line that says, uh, if you give me a lever long enough or, or a fulcrum long enough and a place to stand, I can move the whole world. And he was just speaking about the power of leverage, um, which is what a lever does, right? It allows you to put a little bit of weight on something because you have something on a, on a pivot point. And what a wheel is, is just an inclined plane that incline, that continues its inclination until it recirculates around itself. So it can move heavy, heavy weights forever and ever and ever in a recursive. It's the recursive inclined plane for the computer programmers listening out there. And so it's an, it's this incredible invention as well. Who, which in the story I point out, I'm just trying to entertain listeners here a little bit, <laughs> out, is another invention that nobody knows who created it. And, that, and that's the connection to Satoshi. And no below, listeners,
0: not even Archimedes would have used leverage with a Bitcoin position. So just do your DCA, <laughs> right. use Thomas Swan account, affiliate link, and uh, yeah, just set up a, a weekly buy. Um, mm-hmm. This is cool, like 479 BC. So look, Thomas writing has inspired you to go and figure out when right. the wheel was invented.
2: So yeah, does it turn like, out that we actually know who invented the wheel? And is that no. okay. yeah, Mr. Wheel? <laughs> I, I said in the book that we don't know who invented the wheel. It would, I'd have to rewrite the whole book if it turns out we know. <laughs> <wheel. It's> <laughs> well.
3: Yeah, no, I didn't say, but um, it said that the wheel was created about two hundred no, two thousand five hundred years ago right. in China. Interesting fun in fact.
2: Yeah, that's very interesting. In China. And who said the Chinese can't innovate then?
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I wonder if the government wrecked them all and uh, then just went back to the Stone Ages as the rest of the Western world adopted
2: the technology. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a really interesting question, that how, how the wheel, I, I mean, it'd be interesting to read a history of the wheel. I don't know if anyone's written a book, right? Like, how did it, how yeah, did it spread? Think. It obviously spread, like like Bitcoin, how it kind of spreads itself throughout the world, the wheel must have spread itself through, like, how did the wheel travel? By wheel. I, I doubt people carried wheels around and said, look, I've invented the wheel. They probably rode into town on a wheel, saying, look at this thing that I've invented, just the way Bitcoiners ride into town on Bitcoin, saying, look at this money we've got. <laughs> <laughs> do you have uh, do you have any
0: questions for Toma?
3: Um, I don't think so.
0: About the book, do, do you think? Uh, uh, do, do you want to take any direction
3: from Toma right now?
0: Like uh, about uh, the, the I don't want to offer any direction. <laughs> I I love what I'm
2: seeing. So just keep go keep going with the intuition that you've got, and then and then we can kind of start to put it together when you've got when you feel you really want to. But thank you for sharing what you've. Of you've already got there because it's like it's it's really starting out awesome and I'm really excited to see where it goes
3: okay well I'll carry on working on it and I'll show you the results
2: super all right yeah, cool. well your dad can yeah. get a hold of me at any time he knows my <laughs> email and my DM and you you can write to me as well if you want when you've when you've got stuff to share okay awesome our co-creation this book we will yes. make a book together That's awesome. <laughs> Excellent.
0: Well, thank you for coming in and saying hi.
3: Yeah, well, it's a pleasure. I've, you know, I wanted to talk to you anyways, so.
2: Yeah. Well, super. Yeah. And, and we can talk anytime you want. Like, I'm, I'm <laughs> here, especially, especially if you want to talk about the book. Um, but but not, not only, right? Like, it's, uh, yeah. it's really cool to be working on this thing together. I've got a few different books in the works. I love I love talking about them and their. It could be a what
0: whole one? series. Fair that this could be. A, this, this oh, so <laughs> yeah. Let, let me actually tell
2: you. Let me actually tell you. I am working on a whole series of stories. Um, I've got more Bitcoin stories to tell, and I've got adaptations of very well-known um, like fairy tales and fables for the for the Bitcoin world, and uh, I'm really excited to get around to writing them but i i've I've written one of them but it's going to be part of my next movie and so i'm saving it up for that when i can get that out
0: we haven't even started talking about movies yet there's a (laughs) there's another movie well we've seen tommy's first one so we're looking forward to the next one
3: yeah yeah we definitely are
0: all right thanks sophia
3: yeah no problem
0: see you
2: later thank
3: you bye thank
2: you yeah see you soon Thanks, Thomas. That's great. Just a, a side reflection, right? Like, how nice is this that uh, we can live a lifestyle where you're doing your work and your kid can come in and we can stop your work right? or mm-hmm. make it part of it, right? Not like, go away, I'm busy. Come on in. You're welcome. Right? This is a healthy human way to experience life and how many of us would like, if a kid comes in, there's that very famous video on the internet of the guy who's doing an interview on CNN or something and his kid marches in and he, he's like trying to push her away and the wife is coming in and trying to drag her out. And this was the exact opposite of that. This this won't go viral uh, because it's not embarrassing and it's not, but it's like, but this is healthy.
0: And sh- and holding pictures up to a camera on an audio yeah, podcast yeah. is not gonna you know
2: that's yeah that's gonna people who to are listening to yeah. the audio they might not yeah, they might not really appreciate it. So you but, you may end up cutting a little bit of it out, but it's not it's nevertheless like this um this benevolence that exists in in Bitcoin is right like I'm not sitting here, hey, you know, look at you've got my time and I and you're bringing your kid into this meeting. It's like, oh my God, how awesome is it that you're bringing your kid into this meeting it, It's just it's a, it's a proper way of existing, right? Like respecting the family choices and the families and, and and valuing that about somebody else, rather than saying you're on the clock now, you're a slave to something uh to something else. So it goes back to this, your your magnificent self, your magnificent life, and accepting that about others is another one of these things that I think is flourishing. It's not exclusive to the Bitcoin community, but it's flourishing and thriving under and within the bitcoin community 100 percent it is and you're, you're you're
0: so right if you think i mean i think back to in fiat land where uh, you know I, I would be home when i'm home i should be home right but i'm still mm. taking phone calls i'm still answering emails yeah. i'm sending off texts and then I, yeah. I i'm shushing the kids and like that that was yeah. so wrong like that was yeah. so wrong and and i'm yeah. so glad i'm not there anymore Right,
2: and you wish you could take it back, but you can't, but it's a lesson learned and, it's, and it, it serves as contrast to what, what your magnificent self is versus like, think, think about it, right? Like this was you being your magnificent self. Your daughter came in and you made time for her as her father to involve her in your life rather than you told her you're doing something that she's not a part of and that she's not meant to disturb you and interrupt you, which is what that famous video, sadly, yeah. actually does show. Um, anyhow that's yeah. uh, it's just mo- more more good lessons for us the truth you wanted to ask me that's right about i've the got truth. it i've
0: got it underlined here because it it is a big part of your writing uh you know finding that integrity and, and living your true self uh, mm-hmm. being your unique self um and it's something that you know John talks about it a lot with his work it's like you know this quest for truth what is it in us that mm-hmm. wants us to keep asking and asking and asking to mm-hmm. find out the truth, and this is why we get so annoyed when we see the clear bullshit of the narrative of like mainstream mm-hmm. media. Whenever it comes across Twitter, you can just see it a mile off now. Maybe never used to in uh, in your fiat mindset. But mm-hmm. what do you think if you if you look back to your childhood? Do do you do you have a memory like your earliest memory of an injustice?
2: Hmm. Yeah. Absolutely, I do. <laughs> um, uh, this is uh, this is a story I was planning on telling someday in a piece of writing uh, that I started called The Story of an Old Bitcoiner. But um, in grade six, there's a personal injustice that happened to me. In grade six, I had a very good best friend. And on one day he said, he, he, he declared to the rest of the class, Tomer's my very best friend and we have a very special friendship uh, that nobody else has. And I guess he was caught up with some emotion and we were we had to go to French class next and for some reason he and I were the only two left behind in French class and I was standing beside him. And he kissed me on the arm, just out of nowhere. He was surprised and he was embarrassed by this. Um, and he ran out of the classroom saying to everybody, you wouldn't believe it, Tomer kissed me. Uh, so he, like he, he turned out of his shame and he ostracized me and um, like, this was only grade six, 12 years old. The People weren't worried about homosexuality or anything. It was just like this embarrassing, this embarrassing thing. And he destroyed our friendship, like he shattered our friendship. And I was bullied for the rest of the year. I remember not wanting to go into class and pretending to be sick because it was just a really unpleasant environment. And that was this first, and maybe there were others, but that's certainly one that I remember as, wow, that was like a really terrible moment of injustice out of... Um, out of the fear, and, and there's, a, there's a really important lesson that I extrapolate from this, like out of the fear of being embarrassed, someone told a terrible lie and sacrificed a great value that he had, like he had declared his, his, his love, his friendship for me, um, only a, like an hour earlier, right? But uh, out of fear of being embarrassed, I doubt I would have said anything anyways, but out of fear of being embarrassed, proven wrong or ashamed in some way, he attacked another and and this was just this was just something that a 12 year old could do i think we're probably 12 years old at the time um and to me this is this is the same sort of thing that plays out when experts are unprepared to admit that they're wrong or when they when they make a mistake and then they blame it on somebody else and then double down on everything else it's the same phenomenon and in like this was this is one 12-year-old bullying another 12-year-old, which happens all over the world. But when it happens at this grand scale, it, it actually becomes these life and death issues, right? When some politician refuses to admit that they made a mistake and they double down on some policy that's actually leading to people being impoverished or people dying, it just it goes on and on. And it is this human failure to reconnect back to the truth, right? It's like the truth the truth is scary, so I'm gonna make up another truth. I'm gonna make up another story that isn't the truth, and I'm going to amplify that untrue story in an attempt to bury the truth. And that, and there you have what we consider to be injustice and its relationship to the truth, right? Injustice is the attempt to enforce some state that does not correspond to reality, that does not correspond to the truth, and the greater the uh, dissonance between something and the truth, the greater an injustice it is. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's that's kind of where I'd start with this discussion on the truth and mm. your question about injustice.
0: And you know, we've we've lived our whole lives under um, a monetary system that was basically you know had the truth rug pulled from it in in nineteen seventy one. Yeah. And we wonder as a as a society like um why all of this craziness is happening and why you know why we when we find bitcoin which is built on truth like ie the genesis mm-hmm. block mm-hmm. and and it hasn't been broken it's no wonder we're drawn
2: to it when we understand that part yeah yeah there, there is this amazing uh clinging to and you were talking about john Vallis's work before, it's like when I I was on his show, I said, like, what Bitcoin allows us to do is in a world where everything is blowing around us, and there's no steady ground to stand on, because everything's a lie, it allows us to grab onto something that is the truth and hold on to it. And within its own context, everything about Bitcoin is completely true, because every single person verifies every single statement in it every single transaction is verified, every single block is verified, the proof of work and energy that went into it is verified and validated. And so we can hold on to something that gives us an objective perspective, a steady state to look at the rest of the world through and to and to hold on tight to in this in this world of changing narratives and growing amplification of untruth. Right? And it's like, well I still got this and this is still true. And it allows us to then see other truths and bring those into our worldview and refine them and then bring in other truths. And so we're like, we're building this snowball, this snowballing effect of truth. Um, and I I do think that's really useful. Like when I compare other people who are skeptical of some of these narratives with Bitcoiners, what I see in a lot of these other people who are skeptical is they don't have something like this to grab onto. They, they end up in one like they end up being an anti-vaxxer or a flat earther or something else. They end up not being able to integrate the worldview. They're solely isolated into one narrow piece and Bitcoiners certainly might seem that way to some other people. All you talk about is Bitcoin, all you talk about is money, but no, we talk about education, we talk about healthcare, we talk about science, we talk about math, we talk about engineering, we talk about civilization, we talk about love, right? So we talk about truth. Bitcoin allows us to explore all of these different aspects. We talk about philosophy. It allows us to explore all these other aspects, without having to come up with a crazy different theory for each one. There are all these common theories of what is true and what is real, and and how human beings can know it. So I, I think Bitcoin is, in a sense, of it. It's a it's a philosophy if you study it more than just the basics of it's a decentralized ledger. And it is so much more than just a decentralized ledger. It's a truth chain. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. It's a a truth machine. It's a truth validating machine. And it can only validate certain truths. Like you can't walk up to Bitcoin. You you can walk up to Bitcoin and ask, does this address have this many Bitcoin in it unspent? And it will answer you. But you can't walk up to Bitcoin and say, is there a God? Like it doesn't it doesn't answer that and which one is the true one like that you've got to figure that out for yours for yourself but you can do it looking at some truths about existence and reality and and bringing in more and more and more and more things and it can it can guide you on all these uh, other journeys
0: and it's the only thing that can gift you more time I would say uh, because the 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 way it stores your value you mm. can start making better decisions for the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, it gives you control over your time. Right, like I think- um... Could it give you more time? Will you change? I mean, so many people have changed their lifestyle. I mean, how many more pe- how many people here are gonna live an extra 10 years because they've quit their Fiat job and they've stopped smoking, they've given yeah. up drinking, they've started exercising. Yeah. It's
2: crazy yeah. if you think about it. Bitcoin yeah. literally could have just gifted you another decade. Yeah, that, so that that's absolutely true. The, this is a maybe a pedantic point but when it, so yes you can extend the duration of your life and thereby get more time but um, I, it's kind of a fun point too so it's, uh, so uh, people talk about saving time all right um, and the point I want to make is that's just a figure of speech you can't actually save time like every second a second goes by. You cannot you can't take a second and put and put it in a piggy bank and then come back. Like not experience the second and then experience it later when you break the piggy bank. So every second is precious. Every second goes by, every second you cannot you cannot recoup a second and you cannot save it. It gets spe- we are all spending time at the rate of one second per second. And and so you've got to make the most of your time, which is which is the point about the magnificent self. And, and you shouldn't be in a panic about it. It's not like you should stare at a clock and go, oh my God, there goes another second and I didn't do anything. It's like, don't worry about looking at the clock. Live in, the, I think my point is live in the moment, experience it the best you have. And I, I do think one thing, one caution that I give to Bitcoiners is in having a low time preference, in saving money for the future for another time, make sure that you're not sacrificing this time and not living it to the fullest. Like, you know, if you don't know what you wanna do in the future and you think Bitcoin's gonna make you rich, it might, but it's not gonna tell you what you should do, right? Like this is, you know, it'll tell you how many Satoshis you have, how many Bitcoin you have. It will not tell you what you should do with them. That is for you to figure out. And maybe you should be doing something with your Satoshis right now, uh, with your money right now, because this second, you were not gonna get to re-experience again. So don't be too parsimonious, too cheap, uh, with your life, don't dedicate, don't make the whole purpose of your life stacking satoshis. You look back thirty years from now and say, "Look at my stack," and I and I missed out. I regret not having found someone to love and and had kids and raised them or, or done something that was truly important to me. I just I I obsessed in stacking satoshis. I don't think too many bitcoiners are doing this, but I cert it certainly sometimes when I find myself in spaces, there are there are some people who are so in a state of obsession with accumulating and they ask me or they ask me to ask other people like how do I get more satoshis well what do you actually more satoshis cannot be your purpose in life something else has to be your purpose in life so what is your purpose in life and how many satoshis do you actually need to realize that and what else because satoshis alone won't deliver that purpose in your life there's no way like like, don't over don't over uh, don't give credit to bitcoin for what it doesn't claim to do and doesn't do. It doesn't tell you what your purpose in life is. It doesn't, give you, it doesn't give you happiness. These are the things that money cannot buy. Even the purest form of money that's ever existed in the history of our civilization unlikely will ever exist. You still have to look inside yourself to figure out what you want in your lifetime
0: when i when i see those guys um you know talking about that tr- trying to get as many sats as possible uh, selling chairs and whatever else i see that as the the conviction part of their rabbit hole journey you know it's mm-hmm. like ah oh, you're just passing through the conviction vortex sort of um okay. like, <laughs> and i i wonder how it's going to last different lengths of time for some people um certainly for me i felt it and i, I felt that panic like holy shit, i'm sure bitcoin like this this Right now, get serious, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, and I i definitely feel as though I'm coming out the other side of that, and I'm much happier mm-hmm. to, you know, uh, spend some sats on a like a book or something, or send them to Guy for reading mm-hmm. something. Right. Um, but th- I there's that transitional
2: period, I think. Um,
0: but again, it's so damn that's interesting. the hardest part of the time,
2: yeah, it's the hardest part of the time we're living through because we are simultaneously going through the invention of this thing and the distribution phase of this. Like in the lifetime of Bitcoin, this period, this 124 year period of the distribution of the coins will be viewed as like, it's kind of like the big bang. It happened in a right? Because 10,000 years from now, people are using Bitcoin and they've been using it for 10,000 years without any new Bitcoins being issued. There was just like, there was a very brief period of a hundred years at the beginning where some Bitcoins got issued, but we're the ones living through that big bang event. And so it's, it's, not, it's not a condition that's gonna be true a couple of generations from now. It might not even really be true in 10 years, right? Like Bitcoin may be all the world's currency and the only way to get any of the new Bitcoin will be to mine them and and you won't be buying, you won't be stacking sats by buying it with dollars that no longer exist at some point. So th- this is a rare moment and I can understand why some people are prepared to make certain sacrifices to uh, to participate in the opportunity that this moment creates. And I'm not, I'm not critical of that. I'm, what I'm just saying to all those people is make sure that when that period ends or make sure to draw a line for yourself of when that's satisfying enough because that's not the whole purpose of your life. And I have had some discussions back and forth with some people who say, I don't know what the purpose of my life is, but I have a family and I just wanna make sure to leave them some wealth. And like, there's actually some purpose in there, but it's not, it's, not a, it's not enough, right? Like you're not a sacrificial being for the sake of your family. Your family wants you to be something to, more than just, a, a, they, they wanna be more than just your heirs Right, they they want to view you as a human being, not just as a money spout, as a as a Bitcoin faucet. You're more than that.
0: Do you you've become aware of your purpose now, um, but we could, I mean, it, there's a, there's every chance that changes, I suppose. Right, that that's, that's another true. thing about having an open mind and, like yeah. you you used the word earlier. <clears throat> Some people might call you a hypocrite if you change your mind on certain things. This is. There's a big stigma over people, you know, quitting their jobs or dropping out of college. You know, this is fiat mindset. These are these are mm-hmm. huge decisions that people make, and they think them through, and they should be allowed yeah. to be given the space to have these, have this time, yeah. and you know, make these decisions. So, like, um, right now, purpose for you, what 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 is that? Right,
2: um, my purpose. Like right now, I I think it, I think what i'm striving for next is i want to be bitcoin's storyteller like i have all these stories as i was telling your daughter and and i think that they need to be told because in part they'll form the the mythology not the not in the sense of the false tales but the traditional tales of bitcoin because of this time in which we're living and and so like this book that i'm working on with your daughter apparently yeah, um, yes I, I, she's hired herself yeah uh, what I will, which is great right like this is how bitcoin works bitcoin doesn't right. say apply for a job with bitcoin Says so just start working with bitcoin yeah right? and, just draw and, something to see if the guy likes it like, yeah. yeah and this is the whole open source nature like I, i'm not claiming ownership of the content of that book i want it to be open source i want people to modify it with good intention and i want people to draw it and i want and what will happen to it will happen to it in the spirit of open source, rather than in the spirit of intellectual property, which is like it's mine and any period or comma that that you know that I didn't say so doesn't go in it. That's that's not an organic way to put something out into the world. And I'd, I'd rather experiment with putting things into the world in an organic fashion than in a in this highly constrained fashion. Um, but that's that's kind of like this next piece, and and for me there's a continuous evolution. If if we meet again in a month and you ask me, I may have moved on to something else. Because if you asked me a month ago, I hadn't even had this idea of trying to be a storyteller in Bitcoin. But the consequence of having released the movie that I did and having written this book that we're talking about and and then having inspiration to see a bunch of other stories as I started to do this other stuff, that's even like, that's a very sensible next step It's a risk. I don't know that there's any demand for it. I don't know that anybody will like any of these things, but I think they will. And I think I will enjoy doing this. So that's where I'm going on my own personal journey. And this may be a short lived chapter of my life. It may end up being the rest of the rest of my entire life. I may die telling stories.
0: uh, I mean, it's a perfect example of whatever happened to seizing the moment. Right. You're you're seizing the moment. This is something Mm -hmm. that is it's piqued your interest and you're like, well, Damn it! I'm gonna put all my effort into that and make it as yeah. good as I possibly can.
2: Right, right.
0: That's what we're here to do.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
0: Well, Tom, final question. Um, okay. You've, you've. I mean, you, you, your generational wealth film alone. I know it's had over 100k views now. So there's a lot of orange pills being dispensed. Your writing is reaching many, many people, whether that's uh, through the medium of uh, people downloading on Swan or listening to guys' work. You're doing amazing work. If you had one orange pill left to give to somebody, who would you give it to and why?
2: This is always the case. <laughs> this is such a difficult question. Um, I've, and I, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to give you an answer because I feel like I, my work is an orange pill bottle that anyone can come and take the orange pill from, and I, be- I the reason I, I don't want to as I think the orange pill must be taken voluntarily. Right? Mm-hmm. There's no I, you cannot force it down anybody's throat. It is a personal journey to say I believe in the truth. I believe in in scarcity. I believe in what Bitcoin stands for, and and to and to, and to slip it into somebody's drink is not, is not right. So I'm not forcing an orange pill on anyone. And I'm offering my interpretation of the orange pill to everyone in the world. And that, that's really what I view I, that I'm trying to do with my work is not to coerce anybody into becoming a Bitcoiner, not to scare anybody into becoming a Bitcoiner, but to explain and incentivize the beauty of this thing and the benefits that it delivers to you, so that you make the choice to take the orange pill yourself. So sorry for evading the question, but it's the same. It's the same. It's the same reason I won't answer the question. What do you think is the dollar value of Bitcoin at some point in time in the future? <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. In, I'm not interested in the answer to that question. I don't have a view on it.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, I measured against what? I mean, really, like against a completely failed like uh, currency, like who cares? Infinity,
2: right? Like that's the only that's worth more than all of them combined. Than all of them, any one Bitcoin is worth more than all of the. Any one truth is worth more than all the lies in the world. Mm -hmm. And a Bitcoin is truth, and the fiat money is a lie. Did you
0: have any uh, critical feedback from from the film? I know you've had glowing feedback. Um, and what, what was it and uh, how did it affect your thinking? Is it going to change yeah, the so way the that criticism. you approach the
2: next project? Yeah, Yeah, of course, everything that you experience affects everything else. The main criticism was when you go to the future, and this was obviously a very intentional choice, when you go from the chaos and turmoil of 2021 to the condition that you describe as the world being in 2048, It being a time of peace, a time of abundance, you don't explain, especially to the non-Bitcoiner, you don't explain how we got there from here. You just paint this benevolent, utopian view of the world. How dare you? Um, Like that—that was like, how dare you say the future is going to be good because of Bitcoin without showing the perfect logical connections to everything? Um, I, I had certain Bitcoiners tell me um, how wonderful that was, right? Like that I left that part of the story for us to figure out together. And many of us know what's driving towards those directions. But some Bitcoiners, and especially a lot of non-coiners, said they, they were really rubbed the wrong way by it, right? It's like you don't get to you don't get to predict a future without explaining exactly how you got there. So, okay, uh, you know, it, it, and I think many people misinterpreted what this piece was. They called it a documentary, and it's, it's, not a do- it's, it's presented in the documentary style, so I can understand why someone would make that mistake, but it's a science fiction movie. Right? Like it, it predicts the future. It predicts how technology will change the future, uh, and it predicts how a disruptive technology disrupts uh, the course we're on, which is not a good course, so, and, and it puts us on a, on a better on a better course. But having, having said that, so my initial reaction of course was okay, so we're gonna do a mo- our next movie is just gonna explain how education gets fixed by Bitcoin and how uh, energy gets fixed by Bitcoin and how all these things get fixed by Bitcoin, all the hows. But it's not where my heart is actually at. And I think lots of other Bitcoiners are doing a very, very good job in their own ways of explaining this in the how where, like what's the mechanics and economics and decentralization and non-, non and censorship resistance and fungibility, like all, all that kind of stuff, which I've already largely stayed away from doing in my work. For me, it's about this spiritual awakening that Bitcoin is, and this, so that's that's what is going to be my next film. But my next film will be suitable, uh, I think, for Bitcoiners and non-Bitcoiners alike, and they will have they will have different connections to different parts of it. Like this story of Satoshi will be in it. And for people who are already Bitcoiners, they will be warmed by this nice retelling of the story. But for people who are not, they will hear the story for the first time and it will impact them in the way that that story has impacted Bitcoiners in many ways, which is to shatter a lot of the beliefs of what you think can't be done in this world by demonstrating that they can in fact be done. And, and it'll, it'll flow through and I, have, I, I, I finish it with, um, with another story of Satoshi that's never been told before for, for everybody, so there will, be, there will be something new in it for everybody, whether they're Bitcoiners or not, and an exploration of ideas that um, hasn't been there before. I, I think this is a much, as original as many people felt uh, Bitcoin as generational wealth was, there wasn't really very many original ideas in Bitcoin. In it, what I did was for the first time I I concretized and showed, and the whole team did, right? We concretized and showed Bitcoiners not just what we're fighting against, but what we're working for. And that's what made so many people weep. Like they got to see through their eyes and hear through their ears and see through music that world that we're working for not just imagine it themselves but to have this collective kind of shared experience of look here's these people with their kids and their grandkids in a clean earth not in a panic short time horizon thing building for the future and ed- enjoying their education and enjoying their food and living in peace with the land like it was just to see it was really beautiful and uh, and that that was the great response that people had but i I wasn't the first person to say any of those things. I think some of the observations I really want to offer in the next piece may n- have certainly not, to my knowledge, been articulated in the way that I'm trying to articulate them. So this is um, it's a more it's it's a lot more ambitious, but it's like you know it's like I've only got the one life, so I I got to try to yep. make the most make the most of it, and each with each new step on this path to try to take the next bigger step that I can. And, uh, and even just here sitting here and telling you this is what I intend to do is more likely to make it happen because now I'm out there having committed that I'm going to make it happen. Okay. I, have, I've, I have to finish the script, the screenplay still. I have to raise money to get it produced. I have to find the talent to make this. Like, this, is, this is a more difficult project than, than the last one by you know, like one order of magnitude, but it's, I think it's going to be worth it.
0: I'm sure there's plenty of plebs out there that would love to be part of the project and uh, just just yeah. out of passion. So if there um if there is anyone out there that would love to get in touch with you and see if they can, you know, lend a hand uh, in any way yeah. shape or form, what's the
2: best way to to reach you? My my DMs are open on Twitter. Um and that's probably the very best and most manageable way to reach me. You know, email is less reliable. Things don't get through and I I miss I miss ninety percent of the emails that are sent to me. Whereas eventually, I work my way through all the through all the DMs. So at Tomer storylight on Twitter, and I think I think you can send me a DM even if you don't follow me. But what's a big deal? Follow me and uh, send me a DM if you have uh, some curiosity. I, I would just say um, don't ask for previews of of the content. I already have a lot of people. And 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 if you you know I. I tease some of it here and there when I show up on spaces or, or podcasts. So that's all. That's all you're going to get. You're not going to get like a personal uh, exposure to the script. But if you're if you're if you've got um, particular talents to contribute to making a film, or if, if you just like if you want to throw some uh, some sats at it, um, I'm not really raising any money for it through the plub channel at this stage yet. Uh, but at some point, that time that time may come. It'd be be interesting, I think, to have it funded um, by the Bitcoin community. But I don't know what I don't know what it's going to cost yet. And I'm not ready to really ask anybody for any money just yet.
0: All right. So watch this space, plebs? That's that's the message. Toma, is there anything else you wanted to touch on uh, before we uh, before we shut it down?
2: No, this was great. This is a a good long discussion and uh, just thanks to you and and your kids and thanks to the listeners and viewers um, it's it's great to be a part of a community and it's great to interact with the community as much as uh, I get a tremendous amount of satisfaction from that I'm I'm not, I'm enjoying the interaction with the community more than I'm enjoying stacking sats for example right so it's uh, and I'm I'm doing both but
0: yeah. they're both, they're
2: both <laughs> right it's not it's not I'm not only stacking sats <laughs>
0: Yeah, excellent. Well, thanks for uh, thanks for coming back on. Uh, really enjoyed yeah. the last show where you read to the kids. That was unique. Lots of great feedback on that one, uh, and you know, for for your films and your writing, brilliant stuff. Really appreciate you giving up the time. Mm-hmm. So,
2: I look forward to the next time. Great, great. Yeah, thank you very much, and I will. Uh, I'll see you next time, whenever that happens to be. All right, man. Take care. Naturally. Yeah, Bye.
0: Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning in and thank you again, Toma, for your time and everything that you are doing so far in the Bitcoin space, exploding into the space with such great work with your writing, your kids' book and the film and so much more to come. It's just amazing to see that you are utilizing your skills for something that you truly believe in and are fully 100% flinging yourself into it's um, it's very inspirational thanks again for your time and for those of you that did not catch my first episode with Toma in that episode he reads the story that we are referencing throughout uh, to a bunch of kids and they ask him stories and it's all recorded live on the podcast Uh, so just go I'll keep I'll put that in the show notes as well so you can just uh, go find that very easily well before we wrap this one up make sure you go and follow Toma check out his film and reach out to him if you've got any ideas or any way that you might be able to help him and uh, please support the show sponsors because it's important that you are stacking sats and you can do that in a number of different ways now Uh, across europe we're getting very well served you can use bitcoin reserve they are new on the block you can use their flash product or their concierge white glove service you can use relay r-e-l-a-i.ch can use Coin Corner, coincorner.com. They are serving the Euro and Brit plebs. In the US, you are well covered with Swan Bitcoin. They fly across all 50 states. Make sure you have yourself a Bitcoin hardware wallet. You can use the BitBox 02 from shipcrypto.ch forward slash bit and saves you 5%. Great piece of equipment. Now, if you want to get to Miami with all the other plebs and go and have a great time and party your heads off, with some Bitcoiners, make sure you use the code bitten at checkout, hit the link in the show notes, that will give you a 10% discount on all of your tickets. Take care guys, catch you on the next one.